0: This is a Lip Media Podcast.
1: We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Revolting, a dissection of social and cultural issues relevant to gay men. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our community on Facebook by searching The gaze Revolting.
2: And support the show and access our after shows and live streams at patreon.com forward slash Revolting Pod.
1: And it's just Kyle and I again for now. Mikey and Luke will be joining us <laughs> later in the episode for a bit of an interview. Um, yeah. But first of all, how are you, my darling?
2: Hello. Yeah, cute. How are you since the last time I saw
1: you with my fam? Bam, are you uh, good? It was so nice to meet your family <laughs> it was last so week. Cute. So I received so many, many lovely little... messages from yeah. people um, about how you know wonderful it is to hear how supportive your mother is, and how nice yeah. it is for you and your brother to have each other. So, yeah, yes, it was thank nice. Thank you to you and your family for sharing that with us.
2: That is quite all right. I was quite worried before
1: (laughs) but it came
2: out well so i was
1: happy your mum was so sweet she was so nervous beforehand but she she did such a wonderful job
2: (laughs) no she has probably listened to it like so many times Back, oh bless her
1: (laughs) (laughs) um
2: how are you going i hear you're hosting a new night or something yes yes i know
1: busier than ever um which is great great. (laughs) yeah so sadly none of the the regulars that i usually host are coming back just yet because the the venue so that's granny bingo and and trivia at DT's. Mm-hmm. The venues just aren't big enough, unfortunately, um, to make it realistic to open up with the current yeah. restrictions. But I am hosting a brand new night at uh, Molly's upstairs from Circuit uh, in what used to be the sex rooms but is now really <laughs> lovely. Are you kidding A me? really lovely No, absolutely. <laughs> like, I love sitting down, like, picking a table and being like, oh, this is where I used to – the glory holes used to be this used to be the porn room. Oh, but, it, yeah, so it's a new comedy night. So I'll be hosting and I get to program it. Um, with three special guest comedians every week, and wow, it's great because awesome. the current restrictions—you obviously you have to be seated and having a meal to go mm. to a venue. Having a meal in an X, segment. in what used to be a I mean, <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, if people weren't spraying down because of COVID nineteen. Jesus, I hope. Yeah, that's down a. One
1: <laughs> don't worry, it's had a very deep clean. Um, so, if anyone wants to come, please come along. Yeah, support it; it's yeah. going to be fantastic. Will, go to uh, the Molly's website.
2: I'll be there with bells.
1: Heaven. I mean, and you're <laughs> going away this weekend with your gorgeous Yeah, daughter,
2: I'm so excited. So, Duncan's going to go visit his family this weekend. I'm going to tag along uh, up near Aubrey, Wodonga Way. So, just a nice little weekend away in the country.
1: Gorgeous part of the world up there.
2: But uh Mikey and Luke did a pretty cool little interview. So, it's a bit of a yeah. small episode today because we've got a really cool interview with a veteran LGBTI uh, activist today.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's a name you've, you've probably heard of. Uh, joining us today is Ros Ward who chats to Luke and Mikey about the Safe Schools program as well as a super interesting discussion about revolutionary socialism.
2: And sadly, there will be no after show this week, but regular scheduled programming will resume next week.
3: Tonight we're joined by Safe Schools Coalition co-founder, veteran LGBTI activist and Marxist Roz Ward. Roz teaches in education at RMIT and Deakin Universities and is the host of the podcast Red Flag Radio, a podcast for Mm. revolutionary socialists. Uh, Roz, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of
3: course. We
5: like having a bit of a revolutionary on the
3: show. Thank you for coming on. (laughs)
5: They don't say we're revolting for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Firstly, thank you so much and a lot of respect for the work you've done advocating for members of our community, especially the Safe Schools program. Mm. Even as an adult, that's had a huge effect on the way I viewed my own education and, and, yeah. and my worldview as well. Um, so it still remains in Victoria. Do you know if the program here is achieving some of the outcomes that you set out for it?
4: Yeah. Well. I'm not directly involved with it anymore and I've sort of shifted into a bit of a different space. But I think even with the controversy that kind of came in Mm. 2017 and the backlash and stuff, I think a lot of what we set out to achieve in terms of at least having the public conversations about are schools safe for LGBTI plus people and the answer being uh, no, not really. And what can we do about it? and young people kind of taking the lead as much as possible on being advocates for themselves and allies and all of that kind of stuff happening. I think we're in a very different position to when we started Safe Schools back in um, 2010. Wow, 10 years ago almost, wow. yeah. So oh a lot has changed, but obviously there's a lot still to do, and I'm sure you know there'd be plenty of people who would listen to your show and have stories of that you know their own children or people mm. that they know who are still in schools where, unfortunately, homophobia and transphobia is still a reality for people. Yeah,
5: mm. and we've interviewed members of rainbow families, so you know same-sex couples mm. that are raising their own children now, and and that's another aspect of that of like at some point we're raising our families and we want our own children yeah. to have safe spaces. But
4: and that's one thing I I tell people or well, when I'm teaching uh, students to become teachers and Mm. one of the things i say to them partly as a joke but partly it's true is that you should be less scared of conservative parents than you are of lesbian parents Mm, who will come down to your school and tell you exactly what you're doing wrong in not being inclusive enough because actually you know we're much more active in the community often than Mm. conservatives are where it can just be one person sends a snotty email and everyone sort of Mm. thinks that they need to jump to attention whereas actually you know lesbians are the ones who are chairing school councils and doing all of that extra work and volunteering and you know all sorts of LGBTI people as well I think now much more yeah. involved in schools
3: mm. and um you were attacked by Australia's Murdoch press when you were advocating for the programs um how influential sort of was the media in trying to suppress I guess what they termed um radical gender theory do you think
4: well, they certainly had a good go, mm. and it does seem like it was a you know a concerted and organised effort by what I would now call an anti-safe schools kind of movement from yeah. the right. And they Were you did a gender whisper. I was. I think I was the original gender whisperer. Were actually. you the <laughs> original gender whisperer. <laughs> That's, I was got a shout out from old Scomo, so uh, yeah. Yeah. But they yeah. I think. I mean, they definitely wanted to try to whip up that fear around mm. gender and I think, you know, it's, it's a common strategy to try to pick on the least accepted in inverted commas part of the community and yeah. gay and lesbian and bisexual people have we've come a long way but for transgender people I think mm. there's still so much transphobia that they think that they can kind of get to all of us by attacking trans and gender diverse people. So that that was a big mm. part of it as well. And people just, you know, feeling confused about what it was that we were doing and Trump, you know, is leading the world in transphobia God, yeah. and all of that. So, mm. so I think it has had an influence, but I think it's also meant that so many pe- more people now as well are much more um, familiar with transgender experiences and there's yeah. a lot more allies and advocates than there were, again, in 2010. There were hardly any out trans and gender diverse young people in schools, that's for sure. And now yeah. there are heaps.
5: Mm. Every story I hear about the younger generation embracing gender identity and gender fluidity mm. just blows my mind about how how far that progression has come from, say, when I was in school or when Same, I was a yeah. kid. And the, the language didn't even exist. The, no. it, it was, the words and the, the ideas weren't mm. just non-existent in my world and and i think the work that safe schools did in terms of education and just creating a a broader knowledge within families i think was Mm. yeah it it melts my cold little (laughs) turtle heart (laughs) (laughs) and not much does. yeah i attended the, the the rallies and things when the safe school program was Like really under attack. And you saw young people speak about their experiences and you went, fuck that child is like so much Mm. more in touch with themselves like in with their identity than I am now as a 30-year-old man. Mm -hmm. And and it's inspiring to see that. So
4: I know. I mean, and that's one of the things we used to say to teachers and principals and stuff like imagine if these amazing young people didn't have to advocate just for themselves and their right to be themselves anymore but could actually be active around a whole bunch of other social justice causes in your school what an amazing contribution i mean they're already making a contribution Mm -hmm. but like uh young people especially trans and gender diverse young people do spend a lot of time just trying to advocate for themselves and are extremely mm. gifted at it and smart about it and strategic and they sort of work out who their allies are. And like, these are all amazing kind of life skills. If only they could just get on with living their life, you know, the way that in the person they want to be. And to yeah, it's pretty fullest. amazing.
0: Mm.
5: Mm. And speaking more about the revolutionary, revolutionary aspect of the work you do, you're part of the socialist alternative in Australia which is going to sound a bit intense to our listeners, but the uh, goal is to overthrow capitalism. Could you explain to our listeners uh, the fundamentals of that uh, if they're unfamiliar with uh, socialist movements?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big idea. I mean, the starting point for me was looking around, well, my personal experience of you know, experiencing homophobia and kind of mm-hmm. stuff about my gender when I was growing up and feeling very frustrated about the unfairness of the world. And then kind of looking around and thinking, oh, it's unfair for a whole bunch of other people as well. You know, like racism Mm. exists, the treatment of refugees, Mm. the vast inequality, and there's no real reason for it. And it's justified in all of these kind of ways that don't actually make any sense. So the starting point of being a revolutionary socialist for me was just to say capitalism is a system. And when we start to understand it better, it's structured into the system that we have this inequality and oppression and so Mm -hmm. wanting to get rid of that means thinking about well where do we have power to do that what difference can we make you know questions like can you reform the system can you make it a better version of capitalism and um Mm. getting to the point of thinking actually no it needs to be fundamentally reorganized
5: Mm. and it's only a very
4: young system i mean sometimes you can think well this is just the way it is but actually capitalism is like been around, you know, for a very short amount of time in the history of humanity it, and the mm. history of this continent that we are on, you know, like tens of thousands of years of Indigenous life in Australia had nothing to do with capitalism and it's a very yeah. young and a very destructive system mm. that could also mm. have an ending. It had a beginning, it could have an ending.
5: Mm. When I was when I was a teenager, I joined back in Adelaide, you know, they had a little headquarters on Hindley Street I was a pretentious teenager that thought I knew everything, but I went Mm -hmm. in there and learnt that, yeah, that the system that we were a part of is created in a way that I can only ever achieve so much. (laughs) You know, I kind of have a handicap on me that only lets me get up to a certain point. And similar to what we were saying before, being able to learn those concepts that maybe the world doesn't need to, be that way um, mm.
4: and I think uh, yeah, a lot of young people just they just sort of naturally have those questions like when you start to yeah. work out like most teenagers do get to a point where they're like wait you can't just keep telling me life is unfair mm. just because it is you know like people's yeah. parents say why is it so unfair why are people's home, people homeless mm. you, you can't really answer those questions satisfactorily I think without yeah. having a critique of capitalism
3: um, can you just explain to us what the difference between um, revolutionary socialism and just, like, plain socialism is?
4: Just plain boring socialism. Plain. No, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> no, just, you know, just
3: regular old <laughs> No, you want the full, like,
4: prawn cocktail flame socialism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, there, you're right. There are a lot of different people who call themselves socialists and it can mean different things. I mean, the main difference with being a revolutionary socialist is we think that there needs to be – You know, a full scale restructuring of society. And you can't just do that sort of bit by bit through changing different laws and stuff like that. You actually need to kind of end that whole dynamic of um, profit making and accumulation Mm -hmm. and exploitation. And that actually, parliament um, and just having a socialist government elected wouldn't be enough to do that. And also, I think importantly, revolution is not some crazy sort of chaotic violent mm. thing that people think mm-hmm. it is scary thing. it's actually a way yeah i think it, it's obviously in the interests of capitalists to keep telling people it would be scary and awful and you know you'd rather have the calm situation we have now where people just die in their millions of famine all around the world or whatever but mm. um we think revolution is important because it's also a way for people to kind of start to do the collective kind of reorganizing themselves and being involved in it so that's actually a very democratic process where people start to decide what do we want to be producing in society and what what don't we do we need six thousand different types of phones and upgrades every year or could we be a bit more Mm. efficient with some of that stuff um you know like the overproduction of stuff in the world is crazy actually
5: i think people picture like the purge you know those films? Yeah. <laughs> what is, that? is Everything it? Everything
4: just a- goes
3: tits up, and then see you later. Yeah, oh, it's like the
4: Last tsar or something. And, uh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
5: and that's place. that's what mm. they image. But the idea that I have, it's more like saying, "Well, what does our? Let's get to grassroots. What does our community need? And yeah, work our society around those needs rather mm. than the purge, which is a crazy. Idea. Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah. It's really actually. When you think about it the crazy sort of like apocalypse movie is happening right now and it's in capitalism mm. you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah tens of thousands of people dying from an infection that could be pre- could have been prevented you know people yeah. burying food in the ground because there's no one to buy it but people are starving mm-hmm. people are homeless but yeah. there's empty houses like this is actually yeah. the crazy movie, not uh, the people revolution. People starting
5: podcasts at an incredible rate. It's it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's madness out there. <laughs> yeah.
4: There's really like, it's going to be like blogs, you know, where the average readership of a blog is like 0.3 people or something. Yeah. That's oh going to be God. podcasts. Every podcast oh my has God. half a listener. <laughs> That's it. Not this one, obviously. This one has, not this. you know, yeah. at least two or three. Yeah. <laughs>
5: My mum is a very strong... We had one of our mums on last week as well, so there's the other one. (laughs)
4: Good. you got to keep the mums
5: happy. Absolutely. Um, Thinking of some of the craziness that is happening in America Mm. at the moment, uh, could you let us know a bit about... My brother's going to go nuts that we're talking about Bernie Sanders on this show. Mm -hmm. He fucking loves that guy. Uh, (laughs) What impact US Senator Bernie Sanders has had on shining a light on socialist points of view? Because he's been... Being called a socialist, mm. left, right, and center, I see the mm. almost brandishing that word like it's an uh, insult, or like you're yeah. meant to go. <gasps> Bernie Sanders is a socialist. You know that kind of impact. So,
4: yeah, I mean, some people have tried to call him it as an insult, but I think one of the positive mm. things that he's done is to say, well, it shouldn't be seen as a bad thing to be a socialist because no. he's really just highlighting, you know, massive inequality in America, the fact that billionaires you know, uh, so involved in deciding what happens in politics that mm. there's all of this wealth in, in the country and yet people can't access basic health care. So he's, you know, there's been a lot of really positive things that he's done, I think. Mm. But at the moment, in the current situation, it's kind of showing up some of his limitations as well, I think, in that mm-hmm. he's still sort of wedded to keeping the same system intact which is why he's not a revolutionary socialist you know
3: yeah yeah so what are some of the myths that are associated with socialism because like there's been like a few things that i've seen online where like people make videos of like countries like cuba where they introduce socialism and then everything's just gone to crap and that's the one example that they use like what are some other sort of myths do you think that are out there that are associated with it
4: yeah, I mean that's a big one. But mm. the places that call themselves socialist doesn't mean that they are socialist. You know, mm. like we don't have that same uncritical perspective about people who call themselves not homophobes. You know, like Scott Morrison, I'm not homophobic. Well, we yeah. don't really believe him just because he says it. Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the Soviet Union was not socialist. China's not socialist. Cuba's not socialist. They're they're different versions of capitalism yeah mm. and that's important to kind of see that but they're not socialists in the sense that i am the kind of socialist yeah. society that i'm looking for mm-hmm. i think another big one is that whole thing about sort of socialism would just be this boring kind of uniformity that everyone would just be mm-hmm. wearing overalls and standing in f- food queues. And that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah yeah um you know we'd all be equal but we'd all be poor and miserable so yeah. what's the fun in that but i think again that connects with the idea that the Soviet Union or somewhere was socialist. And if you Mm. look at capitalism today, there's actually people queuing outside supermarkets um, and and shortages of toilet paper Mm -hmm. and sort of crazy stuff going on there. But socialism is not about everyone being equally poor. It's about actually everyone having an equal share in the decision making that goes on in society and recognizing that there's enough in the world Capitalism actually Mm. has taken us out of a position of not having enough of everything. In Mm -hmm. fact, capitalism overproduces things. So it's more just sort of how do you distribute stuff, how do you decide what you want to make, all of that kind of stuff. And if you didn't have this awful relationship with work and you had more time to be creative and imagine the podcasts that you could have in. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You could just podcast all day and all night.
5: I pretty much do. Dan just doesn't upload it. I send him like (laughs) 12 hour audio streams of my entire day and it just, you know, so I'm sorry, Dan. Right now. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, uh, Another really sort of broad question from me tonight (laughs) is uh, the idea of, uh, you know, a democracy here in Australia. Sometimes it it feels like a convenient myth. Uh, A are capitalism and, and and a democracy compatible in any way, or is it just set up in a way that that doesn't necessarily you, you know, necessarily allow for for the other? Mm-hmm.
4: Short answer on this one is no. Yeah, I don't think right. that I don't think it is. I think you're right that it's a, a myth yeah. and a kind of cover up of the actual structures of society. So when you think about what we went through with the equal marriage campaign. And the fact that yeah. the vast majority of people just kept saying they supported it, I kept getting asked in opinion polls, and yet the Labor government, the Liberal government, just refused to change the bloody law. Mm. And years there's reasons and that they, you know, that they want yeah. to keep perpetuating homophobia, climate change. Like most people have a pretty good perspective on the urgency of needing to do something about the planet, but it doesn't seem to matter. Like we don't get to have a say in whether there should be basically only renewable energy in Australia most people would want that but mm. you can't vote for somebody really who's going to be able to do that so again you know that that structure of exploitation and oppression and protecting those few rich people at the top of society means democracy is just always going to come up against that limit you know, like mm. Kevin Rudd tried to super tax the mining companies. Yeah. And the next day, Gina Reinhart gets on the phone and is like, You better not fucking do that because you won't be in government <laughs> anymore. Yeah, and then yeah. they just back away. And you think, Well, I don't yeah. get to phone up bloody Scott Morrison or whoever and tell him what I want. So yeah, why, why, should yeah. why should Gina Reinhart or yeah, why should Clive Palmer be able to bloody rig an election with 60, bill- mm. $60 million or whatever he's. Oh, the
5: branch stacking that's happening at the moment.
4: Yeah, and that. I mean, Jesus, they're so disgusting.
5: I think, you know, Mikey and I are both queer people of colour. I've never particularly felt like my voice had very much power in in this country. You know, like, I never felt a part of a democracy uh, growing up queer or growing up Mm. brown-skinned. It it was very apparent to me that I was within a certain system where I'd Mm. have a say on certain things, but definitely not these and there were the things you would have and the things that you wouldn't have. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird sitting here now in in isolation, but with the right to get married and 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 you go like it's all just a bit messy. Like we fought for so much, but what is happening at the same time? It's yeah. it's a it's a crazy world. Now, Roz, how
3: sort of important are moments like the Black Lives Matter protests for your cause? Like, has it widened your window of opportunity to get? The revolutionary socialist sort of message out there. Do you think?
4: Well, I mean, the protests in America mm. that started with the murder of George Floyd and then kind of spread yeah. around the world, and the protests here in Melbourne have just been amazing and sort of led by young people, very multiracial, like yes. huge, angry people, just going, "Wait a second, we've had, it. we're sick of this shit." Like, basically, this. yeah, yeah what happens then is people start having a lot of questions come out of it. Like, what are the police for? Like, where did racism come from? What is colonialism? Like, yes. mm. how did this system kind of happen? Do we have any democracy? What can we do about all of this stuff? And so, mm. yeah, as a revolutionary socialist, I mean, it's, a, it's about having those conversations and putting things out for people to read or listen to or whatever, and just start to see if, you know, we can answer some of those questions for yeah. people. It um, does feel
5: like the defund the police concept aligns pretty closely with some of the things we've talked about tonight mm. in terms of looking at the money, where it's going and where it would be better spent to serve the community and the safety and the lives yeah. of the people that live there. That seems very much in line with, with some of the ideas that we've spoken about. Um, yeah.
4: It just it just seems so obvious, doesn't it? Like yeah, they spend absolutely. billions, billions mm, on the police mm. in the U.S., and then they just go around sort of killing and robbing people. Yeah. The police. <laughs> one stat I read just recently was: if you're in America and you're murdered by someone you don't know, there's mm. a one in three chance that that was a police officer. Oh my people. god! Yeah. No way. Yeah. So yeah. no wonder people are like, "What." Like, this has got to yeah. be turned upside the, down.
5: The, yeah, Absolutely. you need to tear it down and figure yeah. out how yeah. to put it back together in a uh, a more supportive way for the community. Mm. Do, I, I feel like in recent years, especially with, like, I don't know much about millennials because – am I a millennial? What year we I born? Think like,
4: Yeah, now you've got 86. to tell us how old you are. <laughs> 86?
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though I am a millennial, I feel like – uh, social media, I'm seeing a lot more people in that demographic uh, swing towards these ideas of socialism, especially as we get a bit older and we realize mm. it's really fucking hard for us to buy a house. It's really hard for our voices to be heard when we say we, mm. uh, maybe we want a planet to live on in 50 years. And yeah, and that's not going to die with, with people, especially that are starting to see the world in this, this viewpoint. Uh, how likely is it that we will actually see some fundamental change in in the, in the coming years uh, especially with the clock ticking on things like climate change
4: yeah the clock is ticking mm. as revolutionary socialists i think we we sort of you're forced to be optimistic because otherwise you wouldn't you wouldn't bother you know being i spend a lot of my time basically just working on political activism in all sorts yeah. of different campaigns and stuff you've got to think that we do have the power collectively to actually transform society. And mm. even, you know, younger than millennials, the generation after is the Xennials or I don't know. Mm. Um, the Xennials. Z- um, oh no, no, the Xennials and... is the ex-millennial. I think this is a no, Z. Anyway, young people, yeah. good young people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just about to turn 40, so I'm very age conscious. Um, yeah. That I think people are, you know, asking all of those questions. and. The current situation with the pandemic and the economic crisis kind of coming off the back of it means I think the system is going to really struggle to provide for anyone because Mm. if you're going to maintain the the profits and the riches of of the top, and it doesn't seem likely that they're just going to kind of let them trickle down anytime soon. They've never done it before. So all of those questions will still remain. There's nothing much in the system to kind of give people Like, the last big uprising in the 1960s, if you look back on that period, was a period when capitalism sort of had this long post-war boom and could actually give people some things and could allow the civil rights movement to be successful and Mm. sort of make people's lives a bit easier. But now it seems like there's not really going to be anything reformable coming out of capitalism. So... And some of the changes even in America now are pretty radical. I mean, it's not revolution uh, Mm. at this point, but that they are starting to defund police um, forces, that they are charging all of these cops um, with murder. And, like, there's a whole bunch of things happening that just would seem inconceivable a few weeks ago. Absolutely. That shows that that kind of mass protests and continuing to organize and mobilize Mm. has had an impact. So...
5: Mm. Or maybe some angry lesbian mothers got <laughs> involved in this <there. laughs>
4: as I'm sure there's plenty of angry lesbians Absolutely. involved. Yeah? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the more, the better.
5: <laughs> totally. That's, that's, that's the, that's that's my the niche. kick to it. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
3: well, Roz, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your insights with us tonight. Um, if listeners are keen to hear more from you, um, how can they reach
4: out? Well, they should listen to my podcast, obviously. Yes. Mm. So we can bump up our numbers from uh, two to three. But Red Flag Radio <laughs> is the podcast. Um, Red Flag Newspaper is the website um, that goes with it, uh, redflag.org.au. So there's regular kind of news and discussion and some introductory articles and stuff on there. We have discussion groups you can access through that, live stream forums and stuff like that. Amazing. Um and then the Victorian Socialists, so I'm also involved with that project, um, so look out for more on that as the council elections coming up in uh, October. Cool. So I'll be uh, campaigning around that. So there's plenty to get involved in in, um, in Australia as well, yeah.
5: Perfect. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And if if any of these ideas have sort of, or these discussions have sparked any interest. I really recommend, yeah, checking out the podcast and the groups because it does broaden your 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 mm. your worldview and and um, people like Rose are doing such important things out in the world uh, that yeah, I'm so grateful that you've come on and. and chatted with us and thank you if you want to hopefully have inspired
4: more gays to be revolting (laughs) yeah exactly
5: (laughs) i also have some like pretty long audio files i can send you of my (laughs) day recording if you want to get any of those oh please i've been trying to look
4: for something to help me sleep so yeah Yeah,
5: these are great definitely (laughs) (laughs) most of them are me just making angry customer service calls to hungry jacks so yeah that's that's a good episode that one i'll send it to you (laughs)
1: Well, that is it for this week. Sorry, it is a bit of a shorter episode. If you haven't heard Roz Talks before, I I think you'll understand how important it is that we do get voices like that out there. Uh, All four of us have uh, had to sort out quite a lot of personal stuff this week, but we will all be back uh, with you next week uh, for another fabulous episode, and we can't wait to talk to you then.
2: And of course, remember, there is no after show this week, but next week, their full show will be a... Absolutely. (laughs) And it'll be great.
1: (laughs) And I can't wait to see you, my darling, and the other two darlings, as well. Thank you
2: and guys have so good. much. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.